What's up, everyone? My name's Elle, and I'm your Radio Reina, and here we are! Going into episode 3 of The Mezcla, and as promised, you're gonna get a brand new topic this week, and I'm gonna definitely be mixing things up. Initially, I thought about talking about K-pop or female rappers, but I'm gonna save that for another week and really stir things up. In honor of last week's Friday the 13th, This week, I'm going to talk about spooky urban legends. I do have to warn you, this episode is not for the faint of heart. Even here, as I'm sitting in my basement all by myself, it's definitely a little spooky because I've been writing all of this content that has given me the heebie-jeebies. So just again, disclaimer, this episode is not for the faint of heart. It's going to be a little spooky. But if there's anything I love, it's horror movies and paranormal things and a good scary story. A lot of you guys probably grew up on Disney movies, which don't get me wrong, I did too. But I was also growing up on horror movies and sci-fi. I'm pretty sure the f- one of the first movies I ever saw in theaters, it might have been Predator. It was either Predator or Alien. One of those two. (laughs) For me, a good scary story should kind of blur the lines between fiction and reality. And when I say that, I mean there needs to be some sort of uncertainty that maybe the stories could potentially be real. And I think that's exactly what makes urban legends the ideal scary story. Urban legends are basically stories that are passed down from generation to generation meant to kind of terrify people in a way that definitely withstands the passing of time. Today, I wanna talk to you guys about some of my favorite urban legends. So dim the lights and get ready for urban legend number one. Again, be forewarned, things are about to get spooky or spoopy, whichever word you prefer. I like both. Anyway, this urban legend comes straight out of my own home state, Kentucky. In Prospect, Kentucky is a road called Sleepy Hollow. And apparently this road had some relatively gnarly happenings in the 1970s from cult gatherings to sacrifices, which I will come back to later. Interestingly enough, this road is incredibly close to my own house and I have yet to drive along and experience it, but I have heard some pretty messed up stuff about Sleepy Hollow. So when you're driving along this path, it's important to know that there is absolutely no light, no street lights. It's just the lights from your headlights. And because of that, this makes cliffs and drops wildly hard to see. You know, if you're in a winding old back road with no street lights, with a bunch of cliffs, I can only imagine that nothing good is gonna come of that. While this in itself sounds like no walk in the park, things become far more ominous with the addition of a good old fashioned phantom hearse. And you heard me correctly, I did say hearse. They're for lack of a better term, a funeral mobile. That's probably so disrespectful. For every ghost I've just offended, I am so sorry. Back, back on track now. Legend has it that if you're driving along this road at night, you face the danger of the hearse. With no actual connection to any of the surrounding funeral homes, this hearse is gonna follow you incredibly incredibly closely from the bumper. At first, people believed it to be like teenagers, maybe pulling a dangerous prank by like honking and tailing people, but it became an actual problem when the hearse began repeatedly forcing cars into the embankments below surrounding cliffs. At this point, I would probably assume somebody would try calling the police, but unfortunately, when it went to be investigated, the police could not find the hearse, nor does it have identifiable licensing and registration. In that case, Where is the hearse coming from? To this day, police have still been unable to stop the torment of this hearse. And honestly, (laughs) I don't know if it's scary 
alone that it's a phantom hearse or the fact that somebody could potentially be driving people into cliffs, off of cliffs, right. Anyway, carrying on about Sleepy Hollow from around 1970 to 1980, just off the road from Sleepy Hollow is a place known as the Devil's Point. And it was a hub for satanic worship and human sacrifice. It has been reported on multiple occasions by those living in the surrounding area today that there has been chanting and screams similar to human sacrifice, though there's been no evidence of modern sacrifices present. If satanic worship isn't enough to conjure up some spooky material for you, maybe this next bit will. Rumor has it that in Sleepy Hollow's dark past, the mothers of unwanted children and infants would come to the bridge closest to Devil's Point and toss them into the creek below to ultimately die and decay in the Ohio River. Most of the children thrown from the bridge by their mothers were deformed and ill in some manner, causing the mothers to lose their sanity and do the unthinkable. Passersby to this day have reported hearing the phantom cries of mother and child at what is known eternally here in Kentucky as Crybaby Bridge. Again, this is not a place I have visited, but this leads me to my first question. Would you drive along this haunted road where the souls of the innocent may or may not be tormenting those who drive along it? It's only a few miles from my house and I feel like it's worth a shot, but if I don't return, let's hope that the Phantom Hearse does not drive me to my untimely death in the surrounding embankments. The next urban legend I've got for you is the story of Namku Terrace located in Hong Kong. Trust me when I say Namku is not your typical haunted house. Namku Terrace is actually a century old property, which during the Japanese occupation of Hong Kong served as a military brothel during World War II. The rumor has it that Namku Terrace is teeming with the shrieks and cries of the souls of the female sex slaves that are still kind of lingering throughout the area. At first, I kind of read this story with like a skepticism, kind of wondering what separates Namku from any other haunted house, but my doubt was laid to rest, pun intended, as I found a really not subtle petrifying answer. Apparently on multiple, multiple occasions, women visiting modern Namku Terrace have left the property in a violent rage, attacking passersby in an animalistic manner. One example was in 1960, a teenage girl who had left Namku Terrace she ended up attacking various police officers, which led to an exorcism on the grounds. And if one happening of that isn't enough, in addition to this, in the early 2000s, a group of teenagers wanted to find out for themselves what it meant to experience a real Namku haunting. So I guess it's, it's one of those things, it's all fun and games until one of your friends has their body completely engulfed by a new personality. But each one of the girls in the group had experienced a split personality, causing them to become violent and ultimately not act as their normal self. One of the scariest aspects of this is a few of them were actually speaking with a completely new voice that did not sound like their own voice. Which for me, some of the scariest things that happen in movies is when a voice comes out of somebody that is not their voice. I don't know why, it just gives me the, the creeps, but I can't say I would enjoy being in that situation. However, this isn't really the end of the horror of Namku and it's still, still not the scariest part. What's a good girl's night out without a little demonic possession, am I right? But if demonic possession is not your style, maybe the growing number of suicide inflicted corpses will catch you up. There's a speculation that when a person enters the grounds alone, they start having visions of 
gory and grotesque events. And as opposed to scaring those inflicted with the visions just enough to have them run screaming, the visions are actually said to be so horrifying that anyone who witnesses them is inclined to kill themselves. Or if they aren't alone, you may be inclined to harm whoever may be with you. So despite these events, the mansion actually still stands as a historical landmark and currently does not face demolition, which I would think if you have a if you have a house that's known for many suicides and many deaths, maybe tear it down, but the historic value apparently outweighs that. I would like to know if any of you would be willing to surrender your soul to the horrors lingering in the hallways of the terrace. I'm not sure I'd be able to handle that one. Like I've contemplated going to haunted places and maybe like recording what happens to me, but I don't know about that one. That one, I I genuinely don't think I could step foot on. But if you are brave enough, definitely let me know. We've talked a little bit about scary places, but I kind of want to move on to discuss some scary figures. Whether it's demonic possession or a restless murder victim seeking revenge, some of the most terrifying urban legends focus on humans who are not, not necessarily human. So the epitome of this idea is evident with Japan's very own slit-mouthed woman. In Japan, they call her Kuchisaki Ana, which translate to slit mouth woman. And it's actually a common recurring character throughout Japanese folklore dating back to the 1100s. In order for me to like fully talk about slit mouth woman, I do kind of have to discuss all of her potential backstories because she does have some different theories as to how she came about. So just Sit tight for a sec. The first theory is the tale of a victim of domestic abuse. Stories say that Kuchisaki Anna was a woman who was horrendously mutilated by her husband after finding out she was in in a additional relationship with someone else. She was very, very adulterous. When he found out, he apparently carved a smile onto her face with a knife before murdering her so that no man would ever, ever find her beautiful again. Apparently, her spirit supposedly rose from the grave seeking vengeance, continuing to haunt the area of the Nagasaki Prefecture on the west coast of Japan to this day. And if somebody encounters her vengeful spirit, she will approach them with something covering her mouth. Usually, I think it's generally like a cloth or a fan. But before she removes it, she will ask, am I pretty? And if the person, usually a man, answers yes, she will remove the cover revealing the gashes in her face and she will ask again. If the person screams or says no, she then slashes their face to match her own before brutally murdering them. If a person happens to still say yes when she reveals her bloody wounds, unfortunately, there's still not safe because she she's known to follow them home and then execute them. The only way to potentially escape certain doom from the slit mouth woman is to find a way to distract her long enough to escape. So some ways potential victims have done this is by throwing money or a small object in an opposite direction to distract her. Or this one, I can't imagine that this works, but if she asks you, am I pretty? If somebody were to respond that she is average, then she will pause to contemplate the response enough to, I guess, make an escape. Honestly, if somebody were to come up to me and be like, you're pretty average, I would probably have to think of a response too, because those those is fighting words. But if the diversion doesn't 
work and you don't have enough time to escape, there's really no way to outrun her. So if she wises up and finds out that you have tried to deceive her, yeah, you still cannot escape her. There is no outrunning. The second theory, which this one to me is less exciting, but the story is that Kuchisaki Anna was a woman in the 1970s that would take children as victims after chasing them down. So one night when she was chasing a child, Kuchisaki Anna was apparently hit by a car, leaving her severely deformed, including the large gashes that were around her mouth. And there's no explanation as to why she targeted children but it's possible that that there are underlying infertility issues so she couldn't have children herself so she kind of went mad and then began hunting children whichever theory of kuchisaki ana is true you kind of don't want to be face to face with her regardless if you find yourself meeting kuchisaki ana you can be positive that it will be nearly impossible to escape her attention speaking of mourning the final story story I want to talk to you guys about is one of my favorites and one you might have potentially heard of. I know some of my friends have heard of this one. There are few things more heartbreaking than a mother mourning the loss of a child, but I do kind of wonder if the circumstances change if a mother drowns her own children in a river. They say mother knows best, but it may not be entirely true if your mother is possessive of her spouse and grows jealous of the attention given to children, causing her to murder her own flesh and blood. Originating in Mexico, the legend of La Llorona, otherwise known as the Weeping Woman, tells the tale of a mother incapable of sharing the affection of her husband with their daughters, which causes her to seek out a more permanent solution to gain his attention. La Llorona then drowned her daughters in a nearby lake, all while maintaining a deafening weep. Her piercing cries then draw her husband to the scene where she will beg for his full attention while the corpses of her children float along the, the riverbank. Claiming it was an accident, La Llorona's husband does not leave her side, assuming that they should grieve together. Not long after, though, she becomes pregnant with two more daughters. The husband couldn't be happier, but La Llorona has a different feeling. As the two kind of fall back into the pattern of parenting. La Llorona notices her husband paying far more attention to the children than he does to her, and her jealousy yet again possesses her. And one day, she takes her daughters for an afternoon stroll toward a cliff not far from their house. Upon arriving to the edge, she pushes each of her daughters, pushes them, causing them to fall below to their death. She returns home weeping, telling her husband what happened, and he leaves her completely behind this time because he is positive that this this time it was not an accident. There is no way two daughters accidentally drowned and then two daughters accidentally fell off a cliff. So he finally got smart and left. But when her husband left, she threw herself from the cliff and joined the bodies of her children. It's then believed that La Llorona was banned from heaven. And so she is forced to roam the area and remain there for all eternity. She doesn't really kind of stop there though. She now roams and looks for victims with families to drown or throw off cliffs out of jealousy um, because she was unable to have a normal family life herself, even though she's the reason she could not have a normal family life. While this is kind of the most popular version of her story, it's not the only one. 
in South America, La Llorona was a poor woman and she and her husband, they had no home, no food, no way to support a family. In this case, La Llorona is not the murderer. She was a mother who was in a very tight situation. And anytime she became pregnant and gave birth, her husband would take the children to the river and drown them since he believed there was no way of supporting them. La Llorona herself desperately wanted the children, but each time one was born, her husband would dispose of the child immediately. So eventually, you know, as time passed, her husband grew ill and died leaving La Llorona old and alone. So since she was unable to carry children of her own at that point, she turns to kidnapping and killing the children of others out of jealousy. La Llorona's weeping spirit is known to wander the streets each night and she is kind of known to be kind of like a banshee. So she wanders screaming, Donde están mis hijos? Um, which translates in English to where are my children? And if an unlucky soul approaches her, she will absolutely kill them and their families. So La Llorona, or as I like to call her, the mother of murder, has kind of a few tales of how she came to be. No one really knows her real origin. In my opinion, each theory is scarier than the last. It's passed down from generation to generation, and it's now meant to keep children from roaming around in the dark at night. If you are ever close enough to La Llorona to ask her what her side of the story is, I suggest you make sure you're a strong swimmer as you will probably become her next victim. Whether or not these stories are true, they certainly are spine tingling and they continue to be passed down to new generations. And if your family or city has an interesting urban legend, I would love to hear about it. So definitely shoot me a message and let me know if there's any cool stories you guys have. Anyway, that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to episode three of the mezcla continue to tune in because honestly your support means everything to me tune in next time for a brand new topic most likely it's going to be more lighthearted to balance out the weight of today's spooky friday the 13th episode thank you so much again for tuning in i'm l your radio reina and i'll see you guys next time <laughs>